your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 329 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Well, it was an uneventful night at the NHL Draft Lottery. Only one Swap, and it was the Seattle Kraken moving up to second. The Anaheim Ducks sliding down to third. Buffalo Sabres will draft first, and your Ottawa Senators, for the first time in franchise history, will have the 10th overall pick. Pilsy and I will discuss what to do with that selection. Do you take the best player available? Do you select for need? Do you look at maybe trading up or down? All avenues are on the table, and we'll get Pilsy's take on that. Plus, this is the start of our draft coverage. Locked on Senders will be your number one home for everything Sens related leading up to the NHL draft, which is going down on July 23rd and 24th. But until then, we still have a Stanley Cup to award and the North Division final got underway and it is heated. Kind of reminds me of game one between the Sens and Habs in 2013, where Eric Griba laid that thunderous hit on Lars Eller. Well, in this case, it was Jake Evans on the receiving end of a dangerous, dangerous hit from Mark Shifley. We'll have a full breakdown on that. Plus, head over to the best series. I don't even hesitate to call it that. Vegas, Colorado. What a display for the sport. But did it end on a weak penalty call? We'll touch on that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. is thursday june 3rd and pilsy 10th overall man how we feeling hey this is where we thought we would be so i'm not uh i'm not too high i'm not too low i'm right exactly where i want to be 10th overall is a great place to be picking and it adds a lot of intrigue because 10th is kind of the you know everyone always talks about the top 10 picks so that's kind of the transition between the top 10 and everyone else so you've got a chance to be in the mix here a lot of people are saying this isn't a top heavy draft, which is fair, but I think there's still a lot of great talent to be had around the 10th spot, especially if you're the Ottawa Senators and you're looking at a centerman. I can think of three, four, five centermen that uh, a lot of scouts and reporters have said should be available for the Sens at number 10. So I like it. I might have a controversial opinion. I've been convinced of a certain prospect at number 10, but first can we talk about Pierre Doria? What room was he in yesterday? That was a very strange background for him. Missed opportunity, not having himself on the deck of a yacht, a super yacht, if I'm being clear. But it just looked like a barren room with just two framed Sens jerseys on the wall. Like, where was he? Yeah, that's a little weird. You think that's something that uh, the franchise would take a little time to prepare, you know? Like, our general manager is going to be on national TV. Like, let's get him set up in a nice spot. But it seems like uh, they were not too concerned about that and just said, hey, there's some Sens jerseys back in the hallway over there, Pierre. Why don't you set up down there? And it was like a dark room, too. <laughs> Anyways, all good. We, we like to poke fun at Pierre, but he, I mean, he's the general manager of the Ottawa Senators. Hey, I'm one to talk because I haven't had a haircut in months, but Pierre Dorian's got to go Messier here. Like the, the hairline's just gone. Like now my dad was in the same situation for years where he just left the crown. It's like, just like all the way around. And I don't know. It's time to, it's time to let it go. Pierre show up. Hey, bald is beautiful, buddy. Just show up to camp all freshly shaved. And I think you'll like what happens. Restart rebuild for the whole team. Starting with Pierre. Yeah, that's that's the official sign that the rebuild is over. The hair has been lost over four seasons of terrible uh, uh, descends finishing in the standings. So now all that hair is gone from stress. Shave it all off. Start fresh. And the Senators will head into the draft with not only the 10th overall pick, but they have the 39th overall pick from San Jose. And then they'll be up three picks later at 42nd. Their third round pick will be 74th. Then... 
you guys can go out and enjoy the weather on Saturday afternoon because after that 74th overall pick, they don't draft again until the 6th and 7th round. 170th and 202nd overall. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting draft because I think there's going to be a lot of late round gems. Now, in Erie right now, there's a 10-day stretch where all OHL players who were not eligible to play because of COVID all season long, they're having somewhat of a tournament where they split up all the players on different teams. And it's a showcase is a better way to put it. So I think that will be the final piece for a lot of scouts. And then all the lists will start coming out. We'll consolidate ours and get to our rankings, but it's pretty awesome to see that these players are able to get on the ice. Yeah, it's great. And I like, you know what, this is better than nothing. It's not great. You would have liked to have a full season or a half season or a quarter season, but this is the best you can do. And the thing that blows my mind about this, Ross, is this seems really on the down low. Like nobody's talking about it. I haven't seen any videos. I haven't seen any reporters kind of giving previews or rosters or anything. So th- this just seems a little strange for me. You think the OHL would be yelling this from the mountaintops that we're back, but it doesn't seem like they're doing that. No, it's, it's not put on by the Ontario Hockey League. It's an independent Oh, uh, it's an independent go. showcase. Yeah. So um, the, who, where we're getting our information from is Mark Sheik. Um, he's a credentialed writer that covers the Columbus Blue Jackets, Cleveland Monsters, and Erie Otters, which makes sense. That's where it's being taken place. Maybe we'll try to get him on the show, see what he's saying, because yeah. he's at the games. He said he's seen Chris Draper there, among other scouts. He's uh, working high up with the Detroit Red Wings. So hopefully the Sens have some boots on the ground there, because it seems like it's uh, really the only opportunity to showcase these players. Whereas there's a lot of guys who are still able to play. You think Mason McTavish, who was Craig Button's mock draft pick for Ottawa at 10th overall. He went over to Switzerland, was able to get some games in, and then at the under-18s as well. Brant Clark went over to Slovakia. He dominated the world under-18. So some of these guys have been able to play, but not all. So, Remember, the draft is more than just the shiny prospects at the top of the ranking. So for the guys who are just trying to make a mid-round pick out of themselves, it's important for them to showcase themselves well at this event. So we're going to keep following along with that. Like I said, maybe we'll reach out to Mark, try to get him on, and maybe some other guys who are at this event. But with the 10th pick, Ottawa's going to have a selection. Like you said, it's a top 10 pick. You're not in the teens quite yet. But it's an interesting situation because from my early looks at at different lists and rankings. I know Elite Prospects updated theirs after the World Under 18s. It seems like there's a tier that ends at 9, 10, 11. Like, that's a pretty interesting spot to draft. You think now six weeks out from the draft that Ottawa will pick at 10? Yeah, I do think so. And there's a couple scenarios here. Some people are saying this is the perfect pick to trade away to acquire veteran talent. And I get the the concept of that, but I don't think that's the case because like I said, the Senators need a centerman and there's going to be some, or there should be some available at number 10. So I like the idea of picking a guy, having a homegrown guy that you've drafted and developed. Then you get three years of an entry-level contract out of him. Then probably his next contract isn't going to be that bad. And that helps you manage the cap for all these other guys that are going to be coming out of their entry-level contracts. So for, for me, I really think that you need to take advantage of being able to draft and develop your own number one centerman. And with the cap situation, uh, it's going to escalate with all these players getting better and the cap being flat for so long. I really think this is the time to capitalize on having good young talent. And that's right where the senators are. I think if you're looking to acquire some veteran talent, then you use some of those other prospects that you have where you kind of know where they are and you, you can accept that you don't need them. Like Logan Brown is a perfect example. Lassie Thompson is a guy that could be expendable. I mean, it's tough to give him away after just only seeing one season in Belleville, but that is a guy that you could move on from. There's so many other options to go the route of trading young talent for veteran picks I don't think trading a number 10 overall pick in this draft is the right idea for the Sens so they select 10th Pilsy and I mentioned on yesterday's show that they've picked a defenseman in the first round in each of the last three years now albeit twice it was their second pick in the first round JBD at 26th overall in 2018 Lassie Thompson at 19th and then their second top five pick last year Jake Sanderson as well do you think they stay away 
from defensemen having had enough. And then you bring in Brands from trade and all that. Everyone knows the Sens are loaded in back end depth in the pipeline. Or is this a situation where you go out swinging? I know you want a centerman, but let's look at it from the team's point of view. This is clearly a philosophy just as much so as it is that they select a goalie every year. Do you have an inkling of which way Trent Mann will lead this team at 10? I don't think they'll take a defenseman, Ross, just because the cupboards are so stacked. And you can, like we've talked about it, you can already shape an amazing top six of D-men with the prospects in the Senators organization right now. So I don't think they need to go that route. All I know, Ross, is they better not trade up to pick number nine and select a defenseman because two defensemen selected a ninth overall. Ryan Lee and Jared Cowan. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Mendez article pointed that out today, and I went and looked at their hockey DBs, and that is very, very underwhelming. So let's let's not move up to nine and select a defenseman. That's all I want. It seems like there's a a big four per se of defensemen in this draft: Owen Power, Luke Hughes, Brant Clark, and Simon Edvinson as a, a real separated. Like I don't think that the fifth defenseman even comes close. I haven't seen a mock draft that has the fifth defenseman until 15th so when you look at it that way i have an inkling too that, look the new jersey devils they're building something here and they do need a defenseman anyways in this draft don't you think that there's a little extra something if they want to make their first overall pick happy do you think luke hughes is the guy for new jersey at number four i don't know why i put him initially right away on my mock draft i was like they can't pass up on him why would you risk upsetting I know it's silly to even say that but Jack Hughes is that important of a piece for New Jersey and I mean if it's like separated by just a touch you would lean that way right I'm not saying you're taking a guy at four who would who would otherwise go 15 he's a top 10 pick but do you think they reach to make sure that uh, you have the Hughes brothers reunited I think you'd be silly not to, right? Like, and uh, Jack Hughes has already talked about it. I saw a quote and I'm yeah. just paraphrasing, but he already said if they have an opportunity to take him, he would really like that. And I think <laughs> I think he's just kind of hinting, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But but then, like you said, it's not like this is a guy that's slated to go in the late first round and be like, oh my god, what a waste, what a reach. And look at the history. You look at Quinn Hughes. He's an incredible defenseman. You look at Jack Hughes. Like, the bloodline, the genes are there. Like, the the evidence is there that he can be and develop into a great defenseman. And the New Jersey Devils need a defenseman. So, I, I think that's a slam dunk pick. And if you're the Devils, like, late, lately, like, what have you had in your organization that's like fun and exciting? Like not much. Like obviously you get a lot of elite prospects coming in because you just get so many first overall selections thanks to Taylor Hall. But what uh, what they need to do is create a culture and a storyline for fans to uh, attach to. And that would be the perfect one. Imagine those two stay together their whole careers and light it up. That's amazing for the New Jersey Devils franchise. Now the X factor in this top 10 is Jesper Wallstead. And I have talked myself in. This is my contentious take. Jesper Wallstead would be the perfect pick for the Ottawa Senators. And I say that knowing how deep the Sens goalie depth is, but this guy, by all accounts, seems like he's on a completely different level. I was listening to our friend of the show, Craig Button, on TSN 1200 this morning, and he laughed at the notion that you don't select this type of goalie this high because classic scouts would say, oh, goalies take so much longer to develop. And that's fair as a whole. But this guy is the exception to the rule. Craig Button said it's likely that he is the most NHL-ready player in this entire draft, skater or goalie. So that caught my attention. Yeah, I, I love the idea. And hashtag goalie-friendly show. Obviously, it's a great idea to bring in the best goalie prospect. But the perfect pick, I'm not sure about that because – I. I don't know. I, I think everybody's underselling the Sens goalie prospects right now. Like, I have so much faith in Mad Sogar. Philip Gustafson just lit up the NHL his last couple games. Levi Marilinen's hanging in the weeds. He's coming up in the pipes. You got Joey Decord still. You have Matt Murray, who you're hoping will bounce back. I'd, if if Wallstead fell to 10th, which I think there's a low, low, low chance of. Like, oh, if the Sens would want to pick him, you don't think the other nine teams ahead of them wouldn't? So I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm not I'm not really diving into that one very much, Ross. But if they were to pick him, I wouldn't be upset, that's for sure. But I just think there's there's better routes to go. And they have the cupboard stocked with goalies. And you can uh, the Sens are going to select a goalie this draft. I, I would bet on that. I bet online, Todd IG, if that was an odd. But I don't, I don't think it's necessary right now. So for me, I'm going to hold off on that. But if he's available, 
man, it's you got to go with the best player available sometimes. And if he's the best player available, go for it. Seems like there's two goalies in like the top 15. Sebastian Kosa, who plays of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Also His record was unreal. Oh, pick. my God. With the Oil Kings, I'm pulling it up right now. He And it sounds kind of like a Swedish name, but he's a, a Fort McMurray guy uh, right outside Edmonton. I want to say that's uh, – well, it says his place of birth is Hamilton, but clearly grew up playing Fort McMurray. 17-1-1 um, and one this year in 19 Not bad. games. Is that good? With a 941 save percentage. If you go back to his last year as well – 38, 7, and 4 in his last two seasons, his entire WHL career. So, yeah, that's eye-catching. But with Jesper Wallstead, and you mentioned Philly franchise, they actually grew up playing for the same uh, minor hockey and then the same Swedish Hockey League team in Lulia. But this, the numbers he's put up are incredible, and I just think that he is that much better head and shoulders than a lot of the other guys, not only in the Sens prospect pool, but in the entire uh, NHL, but I'm also looking at who's drafting in the top 10 and you can almost do NFL style with this Pillsy, where it's like, which team needs a quarterback, right? Because there's teams that just like, wouldn't even look at them. Like if you're the Anaheim ducks, you have Lucas Dostal coming up from Eels. We we got to see him uh, with Yarventi and Thompson there. And then you already have John Gibson. So like Anaheim wouldn't touch him, but New Jersey. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think they really like uh, Blackwood. I think they've got a lot of faith in him. And they need a defenseman more than a goalie. Yeah, that's fair. I, I see what you're saying about defensemen, but Detroit at six. Got it. San Jose at seven. L.A., who's known as having the best prospect pool at every other position, they would be silly not yep. to take him at eight. So I think that's six, seven, eight range because Vancouver has Demko. They're, they're good. They're, they're set. But if, if, if he ends up coming to 10, I would not be against Jesper Walsh. I'm not just saying that as a goalie-friendly show. But when Craig Button tells you that he's NHL ready and he turned 18 in November, you, you got to you gotta kind of raise your eyebrow at that and say, all right, he's got all the tools. Like, let's kind of see what he could be at the next level. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I'm not trying to discount Wallstead at all. I think all these things are true and he would be a fit in Ottawa. But this, this is me bringing you down from the heavens, Ross, and letting yeah. you know, maybe don't get too excited about this because he's not going to be there. Well, Michael Holm, who's a Swedish regional scout for McKean's, I actually want to get Mikhail on the show as well, but this is the tweet that made me believe in Wallstead. I'm seeing more, quote, I'm seeing more and more takes on Wallstead and that people don't want him. I'll tell you this. He's the one player in this draft with the biggest upside out of everyone. He's the player with the largest potential out of all these players. He's also the best prospect, in my opinion, out of Knight, Askarov, and himself. Understandable if you're scared of drafting a goalie high, but he's no ordinary goalie. Wallstead can play in the NHL next year if the team that drafts him really wants him. And then you look at the players who have been drafted in the first round, the goalies that are taken in the first round since 2011. There's there's not a long list of them, but it's Andre Vasilevsky, who was taken 19th overall. There's Malcolm Subban, Ilya Samsonov, Jake Ottinger, Spencer Knight, and Yaroslav Askarov. Like, out of that crew, only Subban isn't an elite number one potential goalie. So, man, I, I just think he's the X factor in all this, too. But I think we're spending a lot of time on something that's not going to happen because of the teams that are ahead of them. But we're having a lot of love on Sen's Twitter. And Ian Mendez, another friend of the show, he selected Shaz Lucius with his mock draft with The Athletic. They had all their beat writers from their local areas. And we'll do one with our Locked On uh, family as well coming up closer to the draft. What do you think about Shaz Lucius? Uh, I just read Scott Wheeler um, just put out an article about Lucius and the recovery from his knee injury, but it seems like he's the best goal scorer in this draft. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, and uh, I'll be honest, I haven't done my diligent research on him yet, so I'm not quite sure. But for me right now in the early stages, I have my eye on other guys. That's the only reason I've kind of put uh, Chaz, I love the name too, it's great, uh, to the side because I'm looking more at Mason McTavish. I'm looking at Sillinger. I'm looking at Kent Johnson. Those are the guys that I'm really targeting. So I, I haven't put enough time into checking checking out his profile yet. So for now, I'll just say I, I think it's interesting and that's a guy that yeah he's right in that area and I've heard a couple people say they really like him last year at the U.S. program he played in 25 games and had 26 goals so yeah nice. it was a bum need a boot so he's committed to the this year 
at the U.S. national program, only got to play in 25 games, but scored 26 goals. He is committed to playing at the University of Minnesota next season. So more NCAA love for the Sens. We know they've not been shy to go there in the past. He's a six-foot centerman from Minnesota. And when you look at those shoot-first type centers, you know who he's been compared to, I think, a little bit in last year's draft? Cole Perfetti. Exceptional problem-solving skills on the ice. He can make something out of nothing. And EP Rinkside writes that he combines crafty hands with a quick release on his shot to make for a goal-scoring weapon. And his accuracy on his shot is something that scouts revel in as well. So lots of great options are going to be there at 10. The draft is one of the most exciting times. We had so much fun previewing everything in last year. And that was with a four-month extension when it didn't end up happening in June. So Pilsy really fired up to get into draft talk uh, throughout the next six weeks on this show. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's, it's, it's just awesome because you can start imagining different scenarios. Like, like you're, you're all about getting a number one goalie that's NHL ready. That's, that's a lot of fun to get into. You're looking at top pair defensemen. You're looking at potential number one centers. You're looking at guys who can score. You're looking at guys who have a 200 foot game and you start plugging them in in the lineup and you can really see the makings of a great team when you add the right pieces. And it's fun to check out uh, different guys that could be an option. I, I'm just glad that we don't have the extended period of not knowing where the Sens pick like that was tough last year having no clue where they're going to pick and spending months just speculating this it's a little shorter time period and we know the sends are 10th overall so i'm i'm ready to dive in we have a few awards that were handed out to recent sends draft picks as well we'll tell you about those and get into a ton of playoff talk after we drive on over there with rock auto got to make sure everything's good with our car if it's not rockauto.com is right there for you it's a family business that serves auto parts to customers and they've been doing it online for 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil. You can even get your new carpet there. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and it's delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer prices that's the best part of rockauto.com always reliably low the same whether you're professional or a do-it-yourselfer why spend up to twice as much for the same parts i wouldn't pilsy would never we go to rockauto.com and you can too right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck just put locked on in there how did you hear about us box that way they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you guys in today's world. There's so much going on. It's hard to stay focused. You got your job, school, kids, pets, everything is happening. And the one thing that's so important that a lot of people just kind of let go by the wayside is your financial investing. Don't let that happen. You need to be focused in on that. And a best way to do that check out Wealthfront. You, there's, there's stocks, memes, rocket ships. Everybody's hopping in on cryptocurrency. You have no idea what's going on. Well, if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. So don't think that you have the inside edge that you read an article on Reddit and now you're going to be an expert. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Just team up with some professionals at Wealthfront instead. Investing is complicated. It's not easy. They don't teach you this stuff in school. How are you supposed to know it? Get help from the experts. Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every single portfolio. They can create portfolios that are globally diverse. You want to spread out your investments. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Low cost. Love it. Index funds personalized just for you. They take a look at what you need and they make it work. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no anxiously waking up in the morning at 9.30 and checking your phone to see if your stocks went up and down. You don't need that stress in your life. They automatically handle all the investing based on the preferences you control. Wealthfront can even lower the taxes you pay as well as you invest. That's always nice. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can be more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fees. Best of all, 
It's automatic. Another thing you don't got to worry about with Wealthfront, guys. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do it for you. Guys, get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started today. All right, Pilsy. Some awards were handed out at the University of North Dakota. And of course, the hashtag Nodak Sends were front and Center. Jacob Bernard Docker was the winner of the Archie Crum Memorial Athletic Scholarship, the player who best demonstrated leadership qualities, high academic standards, and athletic excellence. That is a pretty prestigious award by that by that token. What a year for JBD getting that award, uh, going far in the NCAA tournament, playing in the NHL, playing in the world championship. This guy's got a lot going on. So good for him. And you love to see like this is a guy that I think we all are waiting for to hit his prime. And I, I still think he could be the guy to be Shabbat's partner. And he's just doing everything right. Like it seems like the path to progression is working out perfectly. So JBD, good on you, kid. His teammate who signed what, two days after him, uh, Shane Pinto was also named winner of the Virg Foss three-star award awarded annually to the player who receives the most three-star voting points as voted by the print media following each home game. We know he's got a knack for the dramatic and really contributed on home ice and on the road with over a point per game in his final NCAA season and rookie of the year. Our guest here on Locked On Senators, Jake Sanderson, pretty self-explanatory, presented annually to the top rookie player on the team. It was an unbelievable second half for Jake Sanderson, and we're really looking forward to seeing how he translates that into next season. So only the K train left out among Nodak Sens, but he'll have plenty of time to develop as a second-round pick through the next year or two. So some good shout-outs there from the Nodak Sens, Pilsy. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a sign of things to come when you're looking at this pipeline of Ottawa Senators. Yeah, and people wonder why Pierre Dorian keeps dipping his foot in the North Dakota prospect pool. Well, there you go. Yeah, no question. But once those kids develop and once the Sens are ready to compete, they're going to be a big part of a playoff push. And these playoffs have been awesome uh, so far, and they've not been without controversy. We'll save that for a little bit later because I want to touch on the best series. Now, I tweeted out on my account, at Ross Levitan on Twitter, that these two teams, Vegas and Colorado, they may as well be wearing Stanley Cup patches on, on their jersey. You know how you put those on in the final? Because these are the two best teams in the National Hockey League. The game last night may as well have been played in fast forward. I don't think the average fan could tell the difference. This is a different sport than what we saw in the North Division this year. Yeah, I mean, you got two Goliaths going at it. There's no David in this series, that's for sure. And the chances are cra- – like. The Vegas Golden Knights hit five or six posts. Riley yep. Smith himself hit three posts. Like, that's so heartbreaking for them to lose that game in overtime. But, man, what well, are you going to do? McKinnon hammered one, too. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of posts going on. But when Rantanen gets set up like that and has the time and space, there's no chance for poor Marc-Andre Fleury. And McKinnon's little shake shimmy off the left wing side. There, like He is such an unbelievable player. He's built like Austin Matthews, but he skates like Connor McDavid. It, it's truly remarkable. And has the effort this. of Sidney Crosby. Yeah, seriously. And nobody hates getting beat up to a puck battle like Nathan McKinnon. I think some of the Leafs could learn something from him. Like He doesn't go into the corner looking to fish. He's going in to come out with the puck every time. He is an absolute pleasure to watch. And if you haven't been able to stay up or whatnot, PVR these games because you can watch the condensed game, but it doesn't even do it justice on, on the NHL.com because really every shift something magical happens. It's just a shame that the refs had to get in the way. We don't talk about the refs, but Vegas, another r- tough call for them to take. We know that's kind of been their MO in history when you think back that San Jose game seven, but another play right off a of faceoff, just like the one I referenced. And this is tough for me because he had his blade flipped and it just looked like a stick check. But when he dropped it, it made it so like 
dramatic that the refs initially just put their hand up and made the call. Yeah, that that's tough for sure. And you know right away it's overtime. You're down one nothing in the series, and you just put the Colorado Avalanche on the power play. And Vegas Damn. was dominating before yeah. that. That's that's tough. But you know what? I, I don't think the series is over by any stretch. I I'm gonna put a decent chunk of change on Vegas to win no, that don't. first game back at home. Don't don't I've learned my lesson. I've bet against Colorado now in back to back games, and it's just the dumbest thing I've ever done. Have you ever been to the Vegas arena? No, I haven't. I've been there in the regular season. I can't imagine <laughs> what it's going to be like in the playoffs with over 100% capacity. Like, right. geez, we're talking about what's how much capacity is at the Jets game? Like 2.5%? Vegas is pushing 100%. That place is going to be rocking. That team has so much pride. There's no way they're going. I'm not saying Vegas can come back and win the series. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's no way the Avalanche are running away with this. They're winning game three for sure. Okay. All right. I'm not jumping on that with you. I've learned my lesson and, and I've been shamed enough. I put money on Vegas last night when they had the power play. I live bet them at bet online with, um, I think it was a minute and a half left. Vegas gets a power play. They call the timeout or no, it was two and a half. Cause they didn't start the overtime on a power play, but I was like, okay, Vegas's power play had been terrible. They scored in this game. I was like, okay, things are turning around. And Philip Grewauer was just fantastic in last night's game too. So can't take anything away from him, but yeah, I've I've learned my lesson. Not going to happen again. I have too much respect. They could go sixteen and zero as far as I'm concerned. They are such an elite team, top to bottom. You know what I've noticed as well? I'd love the numbers on this. We'll we'll check it out. We'll report back to you later on in the series. But whenever Nathan McKinnon's line goes out there with Landis Cog and Ranton, and for my money, a top two line right up there with Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn is the best line in the National Hockey League. Kale McCarr is out there every shift with them. And that just adds such an element to their offensive attack. It's really kind of impressive to watch because the communication on the bench when you have kind of three three pairs and Colorado uses their top four really interestingly because you have Sam Girard there who's another skilled offensive defenseman. They've just built a complete wagon of a team there. They can play any style you want and they're going to come out on top. So, all right, well, I'm putting you down there. Hammering Vegas game three though. Oh yeah, I feel it. I just, I just, there's no way Colorado goes up three nothing in the series in Vegas. Like if Vegas had lost both games at home and it came to Colorado, then I'm thinking a little bit differently. But that barn is different. I'm telling you, Ross, that barn is different. Speaking of different barns, in tonight's game, we're gonna have the series shift from Boston to Long Island, and that building has been rocking in the past, especially that Pittsburgh series and. They get to Channing and everything. Now, that series is tied at one thanks to an overtime winner by the Islanders. What's your feeling going into tonight's game from that series? I got Boston again, and we'll we'll touch on this in the parlay of the day, but, but I got Boston again. Like, that was just a miscue that led to a fourth-line guy getting a breakaway and scoring. Like, hey, hat tip to Sezikis, great play, but... I don't think, and like, that's a tough game for, uh, what's his name? Lausanne? Yeah, Jeremy Lausanne. Yeah, yeah. Because one puck went off his foot and in, and then he gives up that bad play in overtime. So I don't think that happens again. And I think Boston comes back and wins this one. All right. So you mentioned Vegas going home down 2 nothing. Well, that's a lot more comforting than going on the road down 2 nothing, which is the predicament that the Carolina Hurricanes find themselves in. Tampa Bay leads 2 nothing, And for me, Something that clicked in the other day. This is a team that, yeah, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, but they won that in front of no fans. So I just feel like now that Tampa is rocking as well, even though they were shamed into getting rid of that age-old policy where they didn't allow fans to wear gear of the other team, which is very just stupid in general. Although I can see it from the perspective that Tampa is such like a destination spot in South Florida that a lot of teams come down when their team's there. And I've been there for Montreal Tampa games and it is 80. It's more Montreal fans in Tampa during the Christmas break than it is in Ottawa for a game. So I can see why fans of the team would be a little, you know, kind of have that um, little brother syndrome you could say, but it's a brutal rule, but the fans that are there and Tampa does have a great fan base. I feel like there's going to be a little extra something to win it for them and to be in the atmosphere and have them cheer them on. So I'm, I think I had Tampa in five or six. I'm going with a clean sweep here. I, I just think that they're, 
they are rolling right now. And they've got the best goalie in the league, and he's played like that in the last two games. Nedeljkovic has been great, but I don't know about that game winner in the last one. It was a little uh, tough to watch, you could say. Yeah, and that's the thing. Nedeljkovic has been so good, but there's been costly goals that he's given in, given in and that's that's been the series. It's 2-0 because of those goals. They've been close games. And this Tampa Bay Lightning, like you said, reigning Stanley Cup champions, and they're a better team this year than they were last year. Like, look at the replacements. Like, basically, they, well, they did lose Shattenkirk. That's kind of a big loss. But then you get Savard in there. And now Coleman and Goodrow are fully, like, immersed in that team they're such a big part of it patty maroon still gets it done like these these guys are just rolling i think i can't wait to see colorado and tampa bay lightning in the final like that's going to be wild that's what's going to happen right yeah hey if it's montreal colorado in the next round oh man colorado has to wear their nordiques jerseys right? yeah you have to you have to yep that especially in sick. montreal because they're the whites the nordique ones are the whites so yes. wear those in montreal oh my god that would be awesome that's like how can you not cheer for that hey while we're touching on that series again mark stone's starting to take some heat he's now gone five straight games without a point yeah, but I, I think he does enough around the ice that that's going to happen. And like you said, Grubauer's been playing really, really good. Four four games without a point, I should say, from Mark Stone. Uh, he does have nine shots on goal in that stretch. So, you know, it's just a matter of time before he breaks the dam. But you're right. Grubauer has been phenomenal. Let's move on to the North Division. After we tell you about Bet Online, the number one sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. There's only one place that has you covered. The one place that we trust. And they love us enough. They've given us one of the best promo codes in the industry. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Pilsy, to win it, you got to earn it. And that's what free play is all about. But Pilsy's parlay of the day. How did it end up last night? Because you're on a little bit of a roll. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. There's sometimes, Ross, where, and I think most people can relate, I wish I always trusted my gut instead of my head. I We talked about it. I told you Montreal was going to win that game. I was so sure, and it happened. But I thought these are two really good goalies. I'm taking the under, and the under lost. And Vegas, the reverse puck line hit, but the under of the game one did not happen. So Pilsy's parlay of the day starts fresh here. We got two games going on. I already mentioned it. I got the Bruins winning this one. So I'm taking their money line at minus 141. And the reigning Stanley Cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they've been a part of my parlays all year. I'm not going to stop that now. I'm taking their money line at minus 160. So Boston Bruins money line, Tampa Bay money line, put 10 bucks in. You're going to win $17.77. That is Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book expert. All right, we saved the juiciest story for last Pillsy. The Habs win game one of the North Division final, 5 3 the final score, but it's that empty netter that created the talk of the day in sports media it was jake evans who was going after a puck he beats out an icing call he rolls out and goes for a wraparound not once looking up to see that mark shifley had gone 200 feet from his own end all the way down and absolutely demolished jake evans now the stretcher had to come out we wish jake evans all the best the news after the game seemed positive he was at the team hotel not the hospital which is very good to see considering he was stretchered off the ice. Mark Shifley has a hearing today, not in person. So you cannot suspend over five games. What do you think the fallout will be and your take on this hit? Yeah. First off, right off the bat, I really hope that Jake Evans is okay. Anytime you see a guy get stretched off, that's real scary stuff. You, you don't know what can happen, right? Right? Like it can be a minor thing and he pops right back up or it can be something really serious. So it sounds like he's doing okay. So that's such good news to hear for, for a young hockey player. So that's good. Now, when you're looking at the suspensions for Mike Shifley, I don't think it's going to be a full five games. And I think there's, there's two perspectives here. Like there's a perspective of the fans seeing a guy skate from one end to another and hit a player and that player gets injured. And that's bad. That's a bad visual. It's bad all around. But then you got to look at it from the point of the game. Like this is a playoff hockey game. 
the net's empty. It's there. It's a one goal difference. Mark Scheifele, he's not going from one end of the ice to the other 190 feet to hit Evans. Like that's not his plan right away. He's, he's back checking. He's the first guy back back checking. And Evans, like you said, comes around the net head down. That's the most dangerous thing in the entire game of hockey is coming around the net with your head down, especially when you know there's going to be six players for the jets coming full steam to try to stop you. Like you have to be aware of where you are in the ice and you have to protect yourself. Now I'm not putting the blame on Jake Evans. That was, that's a play where he's probably thinking in his head, I'm miles ahead of everyone. It's an empty net. I'm going to tuck this in and that's going to be kind of the end of the game, but you can't think that way in the playoffs. And Mark Shifley certainly isn't thinking that way. He's thinking, all right, there's a loose puck here. Evans did get to it first, but if I can beat him to that post and don't let him cross over the goal line to tuck it in, I can save a goal here. We can scoop the puck up, come back and score the other way. And you got to realize too, he's skating 190 feet. He's probably tired after an intense shift. The adrenaline's flowing through him. He's trying to do his best to stop that goal. And he hits Evans way too hard. I think that's an emotional thing for him. He could have avoided it. That's the thing. He was upset all game. And I I think this is a play that it it happens in hockey. There's a violent sport. That's the most dangerous part of the ice coming around the net. But this could have been avoided because it's the game was kind of it was almost over at that point. And you could have hit him, but you didn't need to absolutely annihilate him. And I think that's where the real problem is. So the call was charging. You got a five minute major and a game misconduct. You're right. And the fact that Evans, I think, if he would do it all over again, he'd shoulder check a couple times and see who's coming and where they're coming from. Now that doesn't give Shifley immunity that he needed to slow down. Like I, I compare it a little bit to that Chris Neal hit on Johnny Boychuk, where he absolutely shook the entire building a few years ago against Boston. You can Google that hit, but what Neal does is after he gains his speed and momentum, he slows down before he makes the hit. Now Shifley stopped taking full strides, but he never slowed down. There's a lot of momentum at that point. He went full tilt. He's a bigger guy than Jake Evans as well. That was just uh, an example of physics working against a guy like Evans. And it's very unfortunate. I think this is going to be a two-game suspension. I'm not saying it's a good play, but where's the precedent for it? Where is a guy who – that's a pretty rare play because, A, it has to be an empty net, and oftentimes – It's not a guy beating out an icing call to get an empty net or he's coming around in the slot. It's the most dangerous part of the ice is is open ice right in front of the net. So I think two games is probably what he's going to get here is completely unnecessary, but the precedent doesn't show me that it's a 5, 6, 10, 20. Some people want Mark Shifley to hang up the skates and never play again. So I think that that's a a little too far that way, but uh, as unbiased as I can be here, as somebody who really doesn't have uh, an affinity for either team, it's just, you know what? Get him out for a couple of games. Now, the only part of that, Pilsy, is is it more dangerous when he comes back? Now, I think Joel Edmondson's going to get a call from the league as well because he said after the game that if the league doesn't take care of it, we're going to, quote, make his life miserable when he gets back. Now, that to me just seems like two wrongs don't make a right. They're premeditated saying, now, if something happens to Shafley later in the series, whether it's premeditated or not, it's going to be a real tough look for that Habs team. Yeah, and that was interesting that he decided to say that in public. Like, let's let's not pretend that the teams went back and were like, all right, well, that's cleared up. He got a five-minute penalty. Like, that's all resolved. Let's move forward. That's not right, what happened. but to have it on record. That's what I mean. Like, to say that, and especially, like, we we've seen precedent for that when that happens the the colorado uh, vancouver incident a long time ago things were said in the media yeah. threats were made and there were lawsuits and it's crazy you don't want to get into all that now i think the main thing here is i would say kind of both players are at fault right like jake evans needs to be aware of the play so there's a little bit of fault there and mark shifley needs to ease up there there's some fault there as well so i think this is just a really unfortunate event and it it shouldn't happen and it can be avoided however i don't think like you said mark shifley i don't think needs to have the book thrown at him here i think he needs to he needs to be punished because you don't want that being a steady, consistent thing in the game where no, that on empty net goals, guys are getting absolutely annihilated. Like that can't happen. But at the same time, 
you have to take into account the situation of the play, the intensity game one empty net. He thinks he can beat him to it, but he, he needs to let up on that hit and, and it didn't happen. So I think, I think there is something to be said there. One thing I would like to point out, and I think a lot of people on Twitter are pointing out this too, good on Nikolai Ehlers, making sure having yeah. some awareness in the moment, because I think a lot of guys, they just get, they get all hot headed and they're hockey players and you get in a scrum and you want to make sure you have your guy. But the most important thing is there's a guy lying injured on the ice. And I said it before, when you get faces down on the ice and blades going all over, you can create an entirely different scenario that can be very, very dangerous. So good on Ehlers for having some awareness and saying, guys, I know this is a scrum and there's been a big hit and we got to settle this, but let's do it over here because we need to watch out for this player's safety even more at this point. And there was a photo that captured the moment perfectly where Ehlers is like leaned over, holding everyone back, screaming, just like, guys, watch out because you can seriously, seriously hurt somebody permanently if you fall on them when they're in the state that they were. Now, there was 57 seconds left when Jake Evans scores that goal. How many guys would go for that wraparound at full speed like that? I feel like a lot of guys, when they beat out the icing, would kind of eat the puck in the corner, try to waste a few seconds. It was just all in all just a strange play. Now, again, this is just for background information. And as Senators fans, we saw this earlier in the season, but I went back and in 65 games, this is now the third time that Jake Evans has been completely blown up in a game. Last year in the bubble, in the qualifying round, Brandon Tanev, clean hit, I'm going to say, but it was a play where I'm watching it now. Jake Evans is the uh, recipient of a pass at the at the wall, and he doesn't look up and see Brandon Tanev coming, and Tanev goes right through him. He's down on the ice. He stays down. Then earlier this season, Erica Branson steps up on him in the neutral zone, a little bit high maybe, but no supplemental discipline. It was deemed a clean hit. And again, Jake Evans, he's not braced for the hit. So I'm just saying that it's a bit of a trend coming along here. And I hope that it doesn't happen again because it sucks to see. It's awful. Now, this is the second time this playoffs where the stretchers had to come out. It sucks as a fan of the game. It sucks as someone who loves the violence of hockey, but you got to try to do it in as safe as a way as possible. And you learn that minor hockey as well, not only giving hits, but taking hits. And I, it sucks to see, man, for sure. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, I want to echo what you said. Like, we're, we're not blaming Jake Evans for this. It's not his fault. But any hockey player, especially it's a vulnerable when... vulnerable place to be. It's so vulnerable. And you're in the NHL playoffs. Like, this is... It doesn't get bigger than this. Like, the intensity is through the roof. You need to be aware of your surroundings and you need to protect yourself. And that's, that's, just, that's just a saying for general in hockey. When you're on the ice... At all times, you need to be aware of your surroundings and you need to put yourself in a position to protect yourself. And unfortunately, on that play, he doesn't give himself that benefit. And and Shifley, Shifley doesn't, doesn't give him the benefit of that either. So uh, it's a tough play all around and we hope it doesn't happen. But I think the, the five-game suspension is a little much. I think you're looking at one or two games here. Yeah, we'll find out in the next day or two, Pilsy. Bottom line, though, is a dirty hit. Bottom line, it was a dirty hit. Shifley saw you have to it's have avoidable. some respect. It's avoidable. You have to have some respect for yeah. your opponent. And Definitely. I don't it doesn't matter what happened in the game. There has to be a level of respect where you see him head down. Now, the, the other side though is he's about to score a goal that's gonna put the game away. But at the same time, he didn't even try to go for a stick check, try to get the puck first and then finish through the body. He did not care where that puck was. He was going right for the hit so dirty hit he will be suspended Pilsy we got news to end the show though and I'm glad we can transition out of that the finalists for the Calder Trophy have been announced and no Ottawa Senators now at first glance maybe you're thinking how did Josh Norris not finish top three the finalists we knew it was going to be Kirill Kaprizov we knew it was going to be Jason Robertson Alex Nedeljkovic is the third finalist He had a pretty unreal year. And uh, as much as it sucks that Josh Norris was not a top three, I'm going to assume, and we'll find out when the award voting comes out, I'm going to assume he finished in fourth. Timmy, maybe fifth or sixth. But you can't really take away anything from Nadelkovich. This guy lost five games out of 26 starts. 
Yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, I guess I'm just disappointed as a, as a Sens fan. I thought for sure Norris gets on there, but <laughs> let's be honest, does it really matter? Kirill Kaprizov's winning this. So just having, being a nominee is just a formality at this point. So it's really not that big of a deal. So I'm not going to allow myself to get upset. Yeah, I, I do believe Josh Norris will be in fourth. We'll let you know when we do find out about that. But the other two, very deserving. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, it's his award to lose. You got to think he's going to be the uh, recipient of the Calder Trophy. And, uh, well, he's about to get a huge contract as well. Because he came over so far after his draft, he is in his final year of Calder eligibility, although they're not counting the KHL as a pro league. Anyways, story for another day. It sounds like Michael Russo is reporting that the Wild are offering Kaprizov 8 by 8 for his next contract. I wonder how that sets the market as well for other guys coming out of their deals. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it makes a lot of sense for Kaprizov just because he has so much experience over in the KHL and he just lit it up like that. Get him locked up long term. He's the face of your franchise now. He's the he's the most exciting thing you got going. So pretty much get him eight years and let him write in a number he wants. I think that's a smart move for the Wild. Yeah, glad that this came out right before we ended the show. We'll have more on it tomorrow. Maybe find out where Josh Norris fit into all this. But if you're a Sens fan... Like you said, this is all trivial, all pageantry. What happens that matters is going to happen on the ice next season. So lots of time between now and then. We've got the draft coming up on July 23rd as the next big, big event. Well, after the Stanley Cup finals and the playoffs wrap up, but we're going to be your number one home leading up to the draft with our coverage that's going to include our condensed list of our six favorite scouts. And then we're going to break that all down. So right now it's a waiting game to get all of our scouting lists out. But we're going to do little lists ourselves in the meantime. Who's got the best shot in the draft? Who's the best playmaker? And all sorts of other fun things leading up to when the Ottawa Senators draft 10th overall. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Great games on tap tonight. Make sure you jump on Pillsy's Parlay for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.